Welcome to Fun and Fundraising, everybody. The podcast where we talk with people behind the top signature fundraisers and nonprofit galas to how they positively transform their communities. I am your host, Rob Giardinelli. And today I am absolutely thrilled to have Kirsten Hersher, who is the president-elect of Bose Place. Bose Place is going to be doing an event that's actually thematic. And this is one of the first thematic podcasts we've done. And it's an event around the Kentucky Derby called Hearts, Hats, and Horseshoes. And I'm really excited to talk with Kirsten today about that. Kirsten, welcome. And thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Rob, thank you for having us on. I really appreciate it. Well, we're glad to have you here. And, you know, let's start a little bit about talking about the organization and talking about Bose Place. So share a little bit with us about what the mission of Bose Place is. Well, the, the stated mission, you know, is to enhance the lives of those who have experienced the loss of a loved one. Um, that's the, I guess, the stated mission. The deeper mission is we truly help heal hearts. We have numerous uh, service sessions, sessions where people come and get free grief support. Um, we have educational programs that help teach teachers, um, the other clinical professionals about grief support. It's just truly an amazing organization. And there's so much sadness and loss out there in the world and in our community that we are thrilled to be able to offer these services for free to everyone. That, you know, that's really wonderful and grief. And really, the last, I think the last three years has kind of, for a lot of people, I don't want to say it's been a crash course, but it really has kind of accelerated the needs. And I got to imagine an organization like yours really saw services exponentially increase throughout 2020 and beyond with that. You know, it was a it was a tough time for us because everything was shut down and we do all of our sessions in house. We did not have any online sessions. So we had to. Yeah, the I have to give credit to the staff of uh, Bose, to Mary Beth, our, our director. We really did a quick turnaround and managed to figure out Zoom and our participants figured it out. And at first, as a facilitator, I thought this is never going to work. You know, how are we going to take these in-person in groups and make them online and work? They did work. It was amazing. But like you said, there was so much grief out there at the time. People were dying from COVID. Um, after that, we saw a lot more suicides. Um, you, it, it just, it's, it's, an, it's, it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching to see how much sadness there is out there. So now we are moving back to get everybody back in-house and starting the sessions back up in person again. And that's really what we we like to bring the families together and have them be together and talk about their grief. That really, you know, that's really, it's it's important that people really do that and process that. And it's, you know, it, it's it's one of those things. And, you know, I've lost loved ones suddenly many times over the years. And, you know, the one thing about grief is that everyone kind of does it on their own timeline. And, you know, some people can just pick up the pieces and, and they're ready to go three months after a loved one passes away and other people, it just, it takes them longer to, you know, to process that. Um, you know, how does an organization like Bo's Place handle kind of the different durations and kind of helping people through the process when people really do grieve at different places? Well, one of our main themes and one of the main points we tell people when they come to a session is grief is your journey. There is no 
timeline. Everybody's timeline is different. Some people might take years to heal. Like you said, some people might take a few months. Um, are they really healed in three months? Will it come back later? You, you don't know. Um, so that is one of the key things. People will come in and say, but I shouldn't still be sad. It's been a year. My friends tell me to get over it. That's it's not how it works. It it is your it is a journey. Everybody's is their own journey. It is. And you, the, the one thing that I like to ask you about about the organization, like, is it? Do you see that more people come for your services when they've lost someone suddenly, or do you see a good amount of people that maybe had a loved one that had maybe a, a several year battle with something like cancer? And, and they're coming in? Or do you really kind of see kind of all those different types of folks kind of coming in to utilize those services? Um, it's it's all of the above. It really is. Um, there are, I've had participants, I facilitate groups, I think I said, and mm. I've had participants in there who lost a father who is 87. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, but didn't you, they're, People die and when yeah, they get that's older. that's the cycle of life, but, yeah. But as the, the sessions progress, the stories come out that they've been struggling with guilt because they didn't have a close relationship with their father. And while, yes, age takes its toll and you expect an older person to die, your grief process is affected by your relationship with that person. And so they have to work through that anger and that guilt and... um not the suddenness of it. We also have cancer patients who lately since COVID, a lot of it has been anger and frustration at the mother or father not going to the doctor because they were scared to get out of the house and they had liver cancer and they didn't get it um, treated. So they're mad and they're angry because of COVID. When COVID really didn't kill them, the liver cancer took their life. Right. Sudden deaths, it's it's horrific how many murders and deaths we have in a huge city like Houston and other big cities, of course, and small cities. But um, that is tragic and they don't understand why. And um, it, it just it varies. It, it really does. So um, there's a lot of suicide, too, which is really sad. Especially yeah. Today. And I have to imagine the last couple of years, that's probably increased quite a bit just with the, you know, inherent isolation, which, you know, a lot of that, you know, a lot of that derives from. And, you know, I can really sense the passion coming from you as you talk about this. What makes you so passionate about those place in this particular organization? Well, many of the people involved with Bo's Place have their own story and the reason and a death that. Um, makes them understand the benefits of a place like Bose. For myself, we lost, um, we had two children that did not survive. One was in utero about six months of my pregnancy. And the other was an almost two-year-old little girl named Samantha who died of Tay-Sachs disease, which is a rare genetic disorder. It's a storage disease. Not many people even know what it is. We had no idea. Um, and it's a terminal disease. And right. um, so she passed away just not far before her second birthday. And at that time, back in the early 90s, there was no, I knew of no place like this. Bose started in 1990, but I was not aware of it. I mm-hmm. wish I had been. Um, I I grieved a long grief. I had no one to talk to. I mean, I had family and friends, but 
as a young adult, right? Um, I you never want to bring it up. You yeah. you want you don't want to make that other person feel bad because you're talking about your child who has died. Right. And so you just internalize it all. And I I did okay, but I'm gonna tell you, three months, three or so years after the fact, I went into a depression. I had to come out of it, and my husband said, "You know, you held it all in because you stayed strong for me. And if you had lost it at the time, I would have lost it. And our older son, who was alive, you know, he was a little bit older, would have not understood. You held it all together, and yet it came back. And I think if I had had that support group to talk to, to know that my feelings were normal, it was okay to talk about her, um, it would have helped me tremendously." Yeah. And I, I just admire you. I mean, that's an awful lot to go through. And I just admire your strength and your perseverance to do it. And I even admire more that you pay it forward in helping others, because that really is, to me, the ultimate, the ultimate showcase of empathy. And, you know, it, it is always easier to talk about difficult subjects with people when the person on the other side of the table has experienced that to some degree. Obviously, every single every single death happens in a slightly different way, but at least there, there's an understanding of that process. And that's really, um, you know, I really admire you for doing that. Well, I that's my personal reason why I'm so involved. Um, I also have seen the magic of most of Bo's place. And there truly is what we all internally call the magic of Bo's place. You see these people come in and they are they are sad, lost souls. They are angry. They are frustrated. They feel guilty, like I said before. And after nine weeks with people in similar situations, they walk away knowing that they are not alone in a harsh world, um, knowing Wonderful. that they're going to be okay. And that is truly what keeps bringing me back to sit through nine more weeks of another group and listen to sad stories. So um, that, that is, that is my reason for being here. That's wonderful. So when, when you say groups are most of, are most of the services Bose offers are, are they mostly in group settings or are there also one-on-one -on -one consults available? It, it is group sessions. Um, we have, we do families, we do young adults, we have pregnancy loss groups, a variety of other groups. Um, we try to get, I'd say anywhere from about eight to 12 people in a group. We tried very hard to put them together. When the family groups come, we do something really neat. So the family groups, they have children in school. So there's a mother, let's say, and a father has passed away and she has okay. three children and they're all struggling. First of all, she has three kids. She's alone. Yeah. She's probably working. And so we have a potluck dinner so that they can come straight from after school at five o'clock. Even if they're fighting traffic, they don't have to worry about feeding the kids. And we have a potluck mm -hmm. and they come, they sit, they talk, and then we break them out into the the mothers and uh, the, the adults. And then we break them out who have similar deaths. So let's say, I don't know, five or six of them had cancer deaths, or we just mm -hmm. try really hard to group them in like deaths. Then we put the children in age appropriate groups. So the children are in groups by themselves with kids, not with their moms and dads. Oh, interesting. And, mm -hmm. and so they talk and they are, they have um, the facilitators have exercises and ask questions. Um, the facilitator's job in an adult group is to really just be quiet as much as possible. We, we facilitate and we ask questions, but it's to let them start talking. 
among themselves. The kids, you kind of have to, the, they're a five-year-old. So maybe you'll read them mm-hmm. a little story. Um, right. maybe, you'll, maybe you'll put a Band-Aid on the heart and say, you know, that hurts. And you'll do very age-appropriate exercises all the way up to what we call um, clay smashers, where the older kids can just take a piece of clay and chunk it against oh, a board. good. And that's to get their anger out. Yes. So, so these are just small examples of many of the exercises and different things that we do with the kids. And it's, I I did a middle school group recently and it was so sad. You know, their fathers yeah. had all died suddenly. And um, it was, it was just heartbreaking for me to be, and I'd usually done adults. But by the end, they were trading phone numbers. They were oh. texting each other. They were, we're going to get together. I can't believe you like that band. I love that band. And at the beginning, it was just, they wouldn't talk. So that wow. was, again, you know, you got to see these kids kind of come out of their shells and realize there were other kids like them. Well, and I love the group setting, especially for children, because with something like that, the the feeling of I'm the only one probably gets mag probably feels magnified, especially if they're the only one in their class or their school, that it really allows them to really kind of create this sharedness and that there is someone that they can go through with that. So it just warms my heart to hear that, you know, these kids will trade phone numbers and they'll text one another and they'll maintain relationships outside of the group because that support network, you know, it's an ongoing thing that, you know, I lost a partner 14 years ago and there's still people that I have to lean on from that time to really get through, you know, get through tough moments. It doesn't happen every day, but it does happen from time to time. And it's just great that you create that network, especially for children who, wouldn't necessarily know how to go about doing that. Right. That's amazing. You know, it's not, I got to tell you this story. So um, one of my first groups about four years ago, I facilitated uh, spouse loss. Okay. And there were a group of ladies in there who were very, very sad. And they came to our session. And that time we had two sessions. So they came or we had multiple sessions they could come to. And they formed a bond, which was like none other had ever seen. We had a luncheon back in um, February and four of them are now facilitators back at Bose. Oh, and that's it, wonderful. It, they just, they came and they, we talked and we've texted since and are going to try to go have coffee and things like that. And it is just so amazing to see how full circle those women have come that now they are also giving back and helping people who were in their, their situation not too many years ago. Wow. That's, I mean, that is amazing how, you know, getting, you know, getting involved and just through the organization that they want to pay it forward. You know, one question I just realized that I didn't ask you was how you got involved with those place initially, because you had mentioned, you know, you weren't aware of it, you know, in your early nineties, right after it was starting, you had lost your daughter that, you know, how did you get involved with, with the organization? Um, a, a family financial advisor, David Shine was the president at the time. And he, he knew through my family that I'd lost a daughter way back then, way back. And that I had recently retired from the working world and was looking for a place to provide my time and do something productive with my life. And he asked me if I wanted to come do a tour. They were doing a little session with a few tours of the building and so forth. And I talked to Mary Beth and I decided to start facilitating at that time and went through the training and facilitated. And um, that it was, 
as soon as I walked in, I just looked at Mary Beth and I said, I want to do this. This is just phenomenal. So that's That's, how I got started. That's amazing that you just felt it. It's almost like, it's almost like it's your house in in a way that, you know, like when you open the door, when you're searching for a house and you open the door and you walk in, you're like, this is the one and you can't explain it. And I love that that was kind of your, the, the, the way that you found the organization was that way you walked in, you just felt the energy the second you walked into the, in, into the space that this is yeah. where you were meant to be. Yeah. It was I, really, it's been great for me. I love that. And, you know, let, let's talk a little bit now about, you know, the, you know, the fundraising aspect of, you know, obviously these services cost, you know, cost money and, you know, to keep the lights on and to keep helping people in the community, especially now, you know, where there have been definitely more deaths in the last few years with COVID and, you know, other mental health things. So what you all do and what I love is that you do an event around a specific cultural event. So you do it around the theme, you do it around the Kentucky Derby. And your event is called Hearts, Hats and Horseshoes. And our Houston editor, Jim Roos, has raved about your organization for years. So tell us a little bit more about the Hearts, Hats and Horseshoes event, which is, you know, one of your signature fundraising events. It is. And it's the, it's really the most fun event. So, you know, I, when I think about hearts, hats and horseshoes, I have this inside vision of, you know, I'm pretty woman when Julia Roberts is out there and she's fixing all the divots and she's in her cute dress and her hat and everybody there is drinking champagne or mint juleps and having a blast on the polo fields. Well, it's not polo, it's the Kentucky Derby, but it is just a beautiful, fun event. Um, everybody's wearing fascinators and the men are sometimes in short seersucker shorts and there's blazers and bow ties. And it's, it's nice, but it's fun. And the best part about it is the camaraderie that people bring to it. Um, you bring a bunch of friends and maybe fill a table or you run into other people there and you'd had no idea that they had experienced a loss, or maybe you run into somebody who didn't even know what Bose was about, but their best friend just lost their husband three weeks ago, and they're going to refer them. It's just truly amazing the connections that we make from that event. I don't know why, but it's just just a phenomenal event. It's a lot of fun. Um, It we have the, the Kentucky Derby is how many minutes? I, I don't even like, know. Five it's minutes. Like four minutes. It's nothing. Like it's super yes. fast. <laughs> yes. So everybody's having fun. And then you watch the Kentucky Derby and you cheer for your horse. If you guess that horse or bet on that horse. Um, but it's really the camaraderie. The setting is, is a fun place. The food is great. The games are fun, but it's the setting and the people. Oh, so games. So, happen. so, all right. So games. So there's like different games that kind of people can play while they're there. Yes. There are lots of things to do. So if you come in, you um, may, well, first there's always photo ops, right? Cause everybody has their fascinators and you don't know what a fascinator is. A fascinator is kind of a headband for the ladies that could have feathers or flowers or they can be huge or they could be small and people wear hats. And of course, that's a, that's such an easy conversation starter, right? Oh, where'd you get your fascinator? Oh, your fascinator looks great. Or, oh, your suit looks great. Or I love your bow tie. And those are just such easy conversation starters. Um, But you, there's a bourbon pole, bourbon, of course. Um, (laughs) This year, if you do a bourbon pole, you also get your name in a, a raffle for a bottle of Blanton bourbon, which is a very good bourbon. Oh, nice. I'm not a, 
Yeah. So that's a double thing on the bourbon bowl. Um, they'll do a heads or tails game, which IW Marks provides or um, donates a gift for. Oh, wonderful. Uh, there's a betting wall where you can um, purchase uh, slots and you can go and bet on whichever horse you think is going to win. And then they draw from that bucket for another prize. So there's just lots. There's mint juleps. There's a champagne cart. There's a photo op with a jockey. There's even a polo demonstration, right? Because you're oh, right nice. by. Okay. You're right by the field. So everybody can watch the polo demonstration. Of course, there's good food. And um, there's. I think we're going to have some cool towels in case it's a little warm. It is in May. Yeah. Um, um, I think some boozy popsicles, too. Um, so it's just a lot of fun. It's it's just festive and fun. You know, that, it's not. That sounds amazing. The boozy popsicles is something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I go to this, I think that's going to be my first beeline is because I don't think I've that's ever right. had a popsicle. I've heard of people talk about it, but I've never had one. So <laughs> that sounds like a perfect thing on a on a on a warm Texas May afternoon. That's right. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's not. It's not pretentious. Um, it's just it's really just festive and fun and it's just a great event great event it is and you know what's fun what i love about your organization doing that is and, and part of the grieving process is knowing that it's okay to be happy again and this is the type of event where you get to dress up and by up i don't mean in black tie you get to dress fun and there, there's a right. little bit of a difference, you know, both are fun in their own ways. But when you kind of have a theme like that, you kind of get to be really creative. And I'm sure there's right. there's wild hats. And like you said, you know, the men get into it, too, whether it's seersucker shorts or whatever other things that they're going to mm -hmm. wear. You know, it, it just it creates this, like you said, when you walk the second you walk into the space you immediately feel like you're in a community. And that's kind of I'm, what's fun about events like that, where you're all there because you like the Kentucky Derby, just like, you know, football fans can walk into any Super Bowl party. And so, you know, if, if they're all cheering for the same team, there's an immediate camaraderie that comes in there that that's right. really just amazing, you know, amazing to see right. with the people doing that. And so that's, I mean, that that's a whole lot of, fun, different things. And, and what I like about it is that there's literally something for everybody and every type of person. Like you said, you're not really a bourbon drinker, but yet there's a bourbon prize for that for, for those who do. And I'm not a bourbon drinker either, but like the one thing with bourbon I'll drink ironically is mint juleps. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's the sweetness. I don't know if it's the mint. I don't know if it's just because it's Derby Day, but there's just something about that drink that's just really fun. It is fun. And, and after a couple of mint juleps, you know, we always want people to check out our, our auction. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so tell us about the auction. Cause that's obviously that that's obviously a big fundraising thing to yeah. draw, you know, drive funds for the organization. So tell us more about this year's auction. Right. Well, we have uh, items from Tootsie's and a variety of experiences. Um, it will be online. So you have your phone to do it online bidding, which is I guess become the norm nowadays for most it events. Is. I'm not it, really sure. But. I would say that that's the one positive thing for events coming out of COVID is, and that's kind of the one thing that stuck was people, some people did it, but now it's like yeah, everyone does does that because they saw that it actually worked during COVID. And that's kind of an event thing that even if you're not there, you can be there. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Shelly Ludwig over at Tootsie's has always been so great with us and mm -hmm. um, actually was a past participant, I believe, at, at Bo's place. And so she's um, they've donated a couple items, I believe. Um, we also will probably have a mission moment where our executive director or current president might get up and talk about the mission. We always of course, talk about our mission at these events for those that don't know it. Um, and there's a Champion of Hope Award that will go to uh, Dorothy and Ronnie Cunard this year. And so there are some talking points for the for the event um, to get to the serious side of Bo's place. Um, but it is a, just a really, really fun event. So IW Marks, I think I mentioned. I'm yeah, not sure. IW Marks they, is they a donate. jeweler and yeah. um, Tootsie's is a is a premier clothier in Houston. So they've always got some great fashions and great looks and they're really legendary. And they've even got one in Dallas too. So they're in multiple cities in they, doing that. Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned, you know, the folks that are speaking. One of the folks that you mentioned that would be speaking is, is the current president. I know you're the president-elect and you're incoming. So tell me a little bit about how important you think having an engaged board is in the contributing to the excess of an event such as, you know, um, hearts, hats, and horseshoes. Oh my goodness. I believe, um, the event actually was suggested by a board member. I think we started it in 2017. Okay. And we originally had it at, um, the Fertitta home, okay. which you can imagine there, the, the backyard is just a, mm -hmm. unbelievable. Amazing. And yeah. it was an amazing draw for people to come to. Um, it was a beautiful place to have it. Um, we then moved it to the polo grounds um, and it has just been a great event. The board is very involved. Um, as a board member, you normally sit on one or two committees. So our advancement committee, whoever is on the committee has a, a big role in helping with the event. We, a lot of us will almost all of us, I think, will sit on the house committee and a lot of us will purchase tables or we'll donate gifts or we'll, you know, be at a, an event. We just help out in all sorts of ways. We are a strategic board. We help the executive director in many ways, but attending the events is always the fun part of our board job. Absolutely. What what I like about that is you, you talked about, you know, because there's really two types of things that all successful boards have. It's it's the financial capital, obviously, but it's also the human capital. So what I really like is, is that the board members serve on multiple committees because that requires their, more importantly than their money, it requires their time so that they understand the organization. And a lot of it's just about leveraging relationships, just to, you know, like you said, to get an auction item donated or to have a specific service, you know, with, with someone that they may have known from their past. It maybe that isn't necessarily financial, but it's really allowing you to expand your reach within, you know, within your community, which in your case is Houston. So I think that's really, really, a you know, a really good and smart way to keep the board members engaged because you're approaching them from both sides. Absolutely. If it were not for the board, our networking would be a lot more difficult. It is they're they're huge in our networking and all items that you mentioned. Absolutely. So it, you know, I, I'm really glad that you all you all do that. So talk a little bit about, you know, the funds that will come from this year's event because it it and actually before we go into that, I do want to touch upon one thing, and that is you all actually were able to move from a smaller venue to a bigger venue. And I've known quite a few organizations that have not been able to successfully do that. How do you think you were able to successfully move it from a home 
to, you know, the polo club probably being a larger space that can accommodate more folks. How, how, how do you, what do you think was the reason that you were able to kind of do that in a way that it would, it allowed the, you know, the organization to continue to flourish and the event to continue to flourish? Well, I wasn't on the board when that, those moves were decided, I don't believe. And I, um, I think you have to change things up. Okay. I think that you cannot do the same old thing year after year, year after year, or, or it gets old. Um, the Fertitta's home was beautiful. We were actually in the process of going to another, um, somebody else's home during 2020. Okay. And that was all set. And then COVID hit and we right. could not do it. And then I, I think the timing didn't work to go back to that, those supporters mm-hmm. home. And so we ended up going to the polo club. So that is kind of the transition there of how we got to the polo club. So it's, which is a great venue. It, it is. It's a wonderful venue. And it also just kind of shows that how organizations, the one thing about COVID with fundraising is everyone's kind of had to be more inventive now. And people are willing, I think now to take more risks than they were five years ago. So it forced the organization a little bit out of its comfort zone, but it's also created a bigger a bigger and better event as a result of that and doing that and taking that risk. And like you said, you know, making sure that things are different and unique and evolving the event. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. I don't know how long we'll stay at the Polo Club. I, I don't right. have that, um, but it is a unique um, venue for this specific event because you you do have the horses that are walking Absolutely. around you see the jockeys that are there working with their horses you get the polo demonstration you can't really get that anywhere else so no it's you can't. been the last couple of years it has been really great to be there so we're looking forward to this year as well oh that's amazing now um now now i'll go to that question i was going to do but i just wanted to jump you know interject <laughs> with that is tell us what the what the funds raised from this year's horse heart hearts hats and horseshoes benefits so all of our services are free. We have our, our fundraisers. We depend on grants from foundations. We depend on contributions and donations from individuals and our two main fundraisers with Pats, Hearts, and Horseshoes being this one. Um, without those, we would not be able to do what we do. Um, we offer so many sessions to different groups of people, as I mentioned before. We have mm-hmm. such a wide variety of participants we are trying to reach and help. We go out into the community and work in schools. We do the family groups. We do the young adult groups. We, we'd have little friends, which is for three to five-year-olds. Oh. Um, we do all kinds. And we could not even support. We have a building to support. We have a staff right. to support. The groups are actually run by all volunteers. Mm-hmm. So if it weren't for that, we wouldn't be able to continue to do right. it either. So this is a huge event where we count on these funds to help us do our day-to-day activities and to pay the bills and to keep us doing what we do. Well, I think that's wonderful that you all are doing it. And it's such an important community need. And I love that you have alumni such as yourself that you know, stay involved, you know, in, in the organization or, or, or the folks that you were talking about earlier, where they basically went from, you know, from, I don't want to call them clients, but went from, you know, you know, participants in a group to volunteers. And I just love that it allowed really what I almost see it as is that, you know, when you lose somebody, you can either keep your heart the same size, or you can let your heart grow and let more love in. And I just love that everyone's hearts at Bose 
they get larger and it lets more love in and it allows that love to kind of go out into the community. So I just think it's amazing what you all are doing. And I can't thank you enough, Kirsten, for taking the time today with us. Oh, what a beautiful way to say it. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Hearts, Hats, and Horseshoes, a Kentucky Derby affair for Bo's Place, is Saturday, May 6, 2023, at the Houston Polo Club in Houston, Texas. For more information, visit bowsplace.org. And Kirsten, again, thank you so much for the time today. Thank you, Rob. And this is Rob Giardinelli signing off on Fun and Fundraising, reminding you to keep it fun, keep it interesting, and your guests will have a great time. Have a great day, everyone, and take care.